live from a hollowed out tree stunt in the middle of no man's land. You reach Married with Comedy with Jeff Onyx and Joe Chandler. Strap in, boys and girls, and keep your arms and legs in the vehicle at all times. Because it's gonna get bumpy. 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 Welcome to Married with uh, Married with Comedy. I'm Jeff Onyx. And um, so today we're going to have a bunch of stuff going on, um, some special stuff. And um, Joe and Jay are going to jump on the show with me in a little bit here. And it's going to be fun. We're going to have a fun show. Going to have a fun show. So I made some changes to some of my stuff. So. If I'm a little discombobulated, that's what's up with the what's up. So um, I see myself as very washed out, but then I went and looked at it um, and I don't seem as washed out when I'm watching the, uh, the the playback of it. So, all right. So we're going to do this week in comedy or we're going to do trivia this week in comedy history, ghetto chef, science denier of the week, conjecture of fact, outpost survival tip of the week. Um, uh, back in the day. Uh, gossip time with Joe. Joe pontificates the breakdown. Pathetic pet of the week and trivia. So it's gonna be gonna be fun. So we're gonna start off with trivia snap. Trivia snap. Today's trivia question of the day is: Which kind of bulbs were once exchanged as a form of currency? Which kind of Bulbs were exchanged as a form of currency. So that is the trivia snap. So, all right. So this week in comedy history, this week in comedy history, we're going to have uh, this person here. Here we go. That person. Boom. Shonda Pierce. Now, those of you who've never heard of this this lady, I've I've known of this lady for a long time. When I worked in Christian radio, this lady was around. So, all right. So, born Shonda Ruth Pierce on March fourth, nineteen sixty, in Covington, Kentucky. Shonda Pierce. Shonda Pierce is a Christian comedian, often billed as the Queen of Clean. Pierce got her start in comedy during a six-year stint at a theme park in Nashville, Tennessee called Opryland, USA, a theater arts major from Austin P. State University. Pierce went on to the park to, to, to pay or Pierce went to the park to pay her college bill. Not knowing how to dance, she had to memorize jokes from Grinders Switch, Tennessee and impersonate Cousin Minnie Pearl. Having had a troubled childhood, Pierce used entertainment as a needed catharsis, reporting, I was hooked. I loved the sound of an audience laughing. It was just the medicine I needed. Pierce has gone on to appear, in numer uh, uh, appear numerous times on stage at the Grand Ole Opera in Nashville, Tennessee. She's written eight books, and she became a highly sought-after Christian comedian. 
having five gold certified comedy albums and two platinum albums. Uh, Pierce has an ongoing concert calendar and her comedy segments also frequently appear on XM Radio's Laugh USA and Sirius Satellite Radio, uh, Sirius Satellite Radio's Blue Collar Comedy 103. Pierce is a member of the Christian Comedy Association, but outside the com uh, outside the comedy, she is a spokesperson for World Vision and works with various other ch Christian leaders and organizations. So you might not know that uh, I used to work in Christian radio, and uh, almost every time she came into town when our radio station ran her commercials, I was the guy that did the voice. Uh, I voiced all her commercials um, for the Kansas city area when she came through Kansas city for our radio station. I don't know if they used it on other radio stations, but I did her voice. I mean, I did the voice for her, uh, her stuff when it was here. So, yeah. So that is, um, the, um, that was, um, this week in comedy history. So, and I'm getting used to where all the buttons are because I've, I've moved all the buttons. I moved moved where everything is. What is that? What what is that? What is this? What is what is that? What is that? There's something. There's something right there. What is? Oh, no. What is that? Okay, I'm I'm wondering what that is. Is that this? Is that this? Is that this? Is it this? No. It's got to be up from there. It's got to be up from there. That's really, really weird. I see something on my screen, and I don't know what it is. No idea what that is. Man, that's really bugging me, too. I wish I knew what that was. Oh, oh, oh. Man, I can't figure it out. I'm going to figure out what that thing is. And uh, if you know what that is, you don't even know what I'm looking at. I see this white thing on the screen, and I'm wondering what it is. And I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Oh, huh? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. It was my pen the whole time. Oh, shut up. That's so funny. Hey, Richie. Howdy, howdy, howdy. There's too much light on my face, and I'm washed out some. Um, well, that's uh, that's that. I'm gonna have to change that, change that one of these days. You know what I ought to do is I ought to shut that light off and just have this one. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if that would change anything. Let's let's see. You guys, you guys can be my um, my guinea pig, or I'm gonna be the guinea pig, and you're gonna tell me. If that helps, if that helps at all, now I got it over, over on this side. It's over here only, and there's none coming from over there. So it's it's only over here, and there's like nothing over here. So I got like a dark side and a light side. Well, you tell me in the chitty chat, you tell me in the chitty chat chatness, chatness Everdeen, if uh, the lighting is better now. All right, so. Ghetto Chef. All right, I was going to bring a demonstration of Ghetto Chef uh, to show you 
what it is that I'm talking about, but if all you have is flour and salt and maybe an egg, um, uh, you could use olive oil if you don't have egg, um, flour, salt, water, you know, most people have water. So, uh, you know, oh, that's not any better. It's weird. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to switch lights. I'm going to go like this. I'm turn this one back on. And I'm going to turn this one off. Because this one is way closer to me. There. Oh, yeah, that's way better. Oh, yeah, that's way better. Yeah. That is 100% better. Oh, my gosh. That's way better, bro. Way better. I mean, it's from my perspective that is way better anyway so if you have flour and um from like your commodities box and you have um water from you know whatever um you mix uh some of the flour together with some of the water and you um don't make it too thick um i mean don't make it too thin sort of make it thick thick enough that you can use it like play-doh like the consistency of play-doh and you roll it into like a snake. And you could either roll it into a snake, like a fat snake, uh, or you can roll it into a thin snake. If you're rolling into a thin snake, then you can twist it around like a pretzel because it's a pretzel. So um, what I like to do is do the sticks, though. And then um, after you do the, uh, you know, make the shape that you want, put it on parchment paper and then um, egg wash the thing. Um, there are a lot of different ways you make egg wash. Basically you take an egg and you whip it and you can mix a little bit of water or a little bit of milk in with it. And, and then you brush that on to the, uh, to the, um, the, the, every all around top, bottom, all around of the thing, the pretzel. And then, uh, you sprinkle some sea salt on it or salt. If you don't have sea salt, it's ta table salt and throw that in the oven. 400 degrees. I did 400 degrees for 15 minutes. You could do, you know, 425 for 15 minutes, whatever, just until it gets golden brown or if it's fully cooked. I made the mistake of not, make, not making uh, the uh, egg wash properly, so it didn't brown. It just turned into like a bread uh, color, but it tasted exactly like a, a, a pretzel. So that's basically uh, ghetto pretzels. So if you ever wanted to make ghetto pretzels, that's how you make ghetto pretzels. Okay, so flour, water, salt, um, egg wash, or olive oil. That's the other thing. If you don't have egg wash, you can just brush it with olive oil. Um, I haven't tried using vegetable oil or canola oil or peanut oil or any of the other oils. And uh, uh, some people say you can you can take um, water and baking soda and make a water and baking soda mix and then dip it in the water and baking soda mix and then throw it in the oven and it's supposed to create that same sheen around it i haven't tried that either but that's that's another thing you could do if you wanted to so the ghetto chef ghetto chef suggestion is make yourself some pretzels and and, and kid you not dude I, I i love making those ghetto pretzels ghetto pretzels so that's the ghetto chef um, if you are a fan of the show, you could send us fan mail 
care of PO, or care of comedy events, PO Box three six nine, Lathrop, Missouri six four four six five. If you are a, uh, a, a angry feminist, an angry feminist, you can send us hate mail, M A L E, care of comedy events, PO Box three six nine, Lathrop, Missouri six four four six five, and you could uh, send us some mail. So, yeah. Bye, Richie. I, I yeah. So anyway. So we've done trivia snap, and we've done this week in comedy history, and we've done ghetto chef. You know what I think it is uh, with the lights is that uh, I tried to apply a Lutz, and I think I deleted it or shut it off. A Lutz is a lighting, a lighting thing, um, like a filter for the lighting. I think I might have tried to apply one and shut it off. Another thing that I did was I turned the lights more toward me which uh i think i should have turned them you know more away from me kind of thing you know like the, so that the lights aren't aren't directly on me but they're bouncing off let me try that you guys play along with me man yeah okay so let's try this let's turn the light turn that light that way so there's less light on me and turn this light on and then turn it like that, so there's less direct light on it. There, <coughs> less. Oh, hold on. I'm gonna say less direct light. That's better. Yeah, that's way better. <laughs> Less direct light on me. So, yeah. Actually, I like that. That's nice. Because I can see still. Because the other way I was trying it, I couldn't really see what I was doing. But this way I could see what I'm doing. Um, I gotta, I'm going to try to get Jimmy on the phone. It's Jim, Jimmy, James R. Friedman's turn to be jumping on the on the horn with me so we're gonna grab him on the phone you know i i was gonna tell them that they are the ones that are supposed to call me instead of me calling them but uh i keep forgetting to tell them that they're the ones supposed to call me instead of me calling them like that okay so you're on the show you can hear me all right all right, so what you've missed is we did the trivia question of the week. This week in comedy history, which was a Christian comedian ghetto chef thing, which is ghetto uh, pretzels, which is actually they're really good. Ghetto pretzels. So uh, I sent you the information about who we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to be doing, um, we're going to start off with the, Science denier of the week. The science denier of the week. Um, by the way, for those of you who don't know, the science denier of the week is basically we do a historical figure who's a scientist or, or does something with science. And at the time, uh, people uh, thought that he that that person was insane for questioning the settled science of the day. Okay. So, all right. So that's what's going all on. Right. So, oh, I still have that Shonda Pierce chick on the on the thing. I gotta get her off of there. 
right. So George Mendel, the father of modern genetics. Are you, are you, are you familiar with this guy? I know a little bit about the genetics. Uh, so, um, uh, we live in a time when you can find out what kind of diseases are lurking in genetic code because they do this thing called uh, a genetic audit. Is that what it's called? I think it is. Um, so uh, Melissa and I went through that to, to see if we wanted to have kids uh, and, you know, how genetically I'm screwed up and how genetically she's screwed up and what we're going to pass on to our kids. And that's something that, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, not that many people were even talking about, you know, right? Right. So, uh, so basically, more or less, everyone accepts the uh, general idea that there are genes, that we have genes, that there's a genome and that we have genetic code, right? Pretty much everybody believes that right now, right? You believe that? I am... <laughs> Not sure what I believe, simply because all I know is they're not telling us the truth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, basically, uh, genes they they determine our physical appearance, uh, some of our capabilities, apparently. Um, and this guy, Gregor, I call him George. Gregor Mendel. Gregor Mendel. I called him George Mendel. Yeah. I actually, I was thinking George Lopez, because you know, but but Gregor Mendel. So according to Nature, the the magazine or the book, whatever, Mendel was born in what is today called the Czech Republic. Well, I mean, I don't know if it is today. Okay, after the stuff that's been going the last couple of days, but okay, so he was born in a place that modern times call the Czech Republic. He was born in 1822. His family was poor. And um, he wanted to get an education, so the only way he could do that to afford it was to become a monk. So he could work as a monk in a monastery to get an education. So. Right. That was common. So when, when he was um, going through his uh, schooling, uh, he started messing with, uh, with, uh, with growing different plants and breeding different plants. And he... He settled on pea plants, like pea pods. So he spent a lot of time messing with pea pods. And he noticed uh, something that apparently nobody else at the time had noticed, that there was a pattern to how how many peas grew in certain plants. Like he could, he could um, cross-pollinate different plants to make them grow to have more peas in the pod. And he could determine which plants that he was messing with would have more peas in the pod. And even to the extent that he almost could tell how many peas were in each pod. Like he could go, that one has five peas in that pod, or that one has six peas in that pod, or whatever. You know what I mean? Be beforehand. Like, that plant's going to grow, and it's going to have five peas in each pod. So, so he discovered the principle of genetic inheritance. And he coined the term dominant and recessive he wasn't talking about genes though because he didn't understand genes but he said these plants have dominant traits and these plants have recessive traits okay. 
and and now we, we use those terms to genetic traits but at the time he didn't he didn't use the term genetic or genes he just said that this plant had dominant traits or recessive traits so so at the time nobody believed what this guy was doing he was like, yeah, I could, I could tell the recessive tra uh, traits and the and the dominant traits in these different plants, and people were like, you are out of your mind, out of your mind. And then uh, there were a couple of the, the the people that were in in his circle, uh, they would call them peers, scientists or whatever, and they tried to replicate his experiments, but instead of using pea plants, they use hawkweed plants. But the hawkweed plants reproduce asexually. So genetic traits don't cross over from one plant to another or from, from that plant to another plant. Hmm. But nobody knew that at the time because he was messing with specific types of plants. Uh, so everyone concluded because they couldn't duplicate what he was doing that he got things all wrong and he was stupid. But now we know that this guy right here, who was like a, a, a monk and became like a, a priest later on, um, mm. that uh, we know that what he was doing was accurate and true. So genes, recessive genes and, and, uh, and dominant genes. Hmm. Which, kind of funny, isn't it? which, you know, what's funny is what's really funny about that. haha -ha funny is that, um, at the time that uh, Darwin's theory of evolution came out, which was around this time, they didn't know anything about genetics. And if they had known about genetics, then Darwin could have went out to the Galapagos and did some genetic testing on these different animals and noticed differences and similarities in the animals that he was that he was testing, and tested genetic traits of animals that he thought were were so far removed from other similar animals and, and found that they're actually genetically very similar. You know what I mean? Like those finches. Right. And the Galapagos turtles. And he, he used, he thought the Galapagos turtle, the reason that they were so large was because that there was a, it was an evolutionary thing. When in reality, it was just because they were there so long and other tortoises in other places weren't there long enough to grow that large. Right. Well, and I mean, there's, there's a, a lot of the origin of species and the theory of competition that has holes in it, but people think that it's a settled argument and it's not, and it never was. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I, 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 well, it's, it's simple. If, if you're telling me that species that dominate because they develop certain traits through mutations you know survive and that the other species die off then we didn't come from apes by that theory yeah no yeah. It's, it's impossible because they're still here right because so the, then, the, yeah. because then they would have died off because right. we would have had dominant you, traits and they would have had recessive traits and the recessive would traits to, would Yeah, mutate and adapt or die off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're almost talking over each other. We're so excited to spit that up. Yeah, you know what's funny is we we both have a similar view on this whole thing. So you know and Right, without having the same view, right. 
well, you our, know, it's, our research avenues and our life experiences have all been different. So, yeah. Well, and like, um, what's the other one? Uh, dolphins. Okay. So mm. dolphins, you wouldn't think are genetically similar to humans, but we're more genetically related to dolphins than we are to chimpanzees or apes. Right. In fact, you know, a lot of people talk about us having eight, you know, same genes as apes and whatnot but you know the only real factor that they measure is the rhesus factor and then those the rhesus has a tail yeah uh, yeah they're not apes they're monkeys <laughs> yeah and 85 percent of the population has their dna in there right right so i got a question for you is anybody paying attention you know what else? Um, okay, so speaking of dolphins, here's some stuff I recently right. learned. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some stuff I recently learned about dolphins. Right. Dolphins are one of the only creatures in the entire animal kingdom that commit murder just for fun. For no other reason other than fun. You know what I mean? Are you talking about the shark thing? No. They go after um, they go after other dolphins. They go after infant dolphins. They kill infant dolphins. Like large large groups of infant dolphins were killed by by other dolphins. Dolphins will go after other animals and people just for the hell of it, just just because. They also well, are they also are one of the only animals in the entire. Animal. How do you measure that? How do you measure a dolphin's reason for attacking? Well, something? no, they're not saying that. They're they're just saying that. Uh, the reason, the, the reason isn't food because they didn't eat it. Um, it's not territory because they weren't threatened by the, the baby dolphins or some of the other things that they attacked. They weren't threatened by them. Uh, those animals that they killed weren't diseased, so they weren't getting rid of disease. So the only, after, after looking at all the different reasons why those, those animals were killed by the dolphins would be the dolphins killed them for fun. Like it, like when they were doing it, they videotaped it. When they were doing it, the dolphins looked like they were having fun doing it. Another thing about dolphins, um, they were smiling. Well, which may lead to why they committed the the murders that they did. Um, dolphins are one of the only animals in the in the other than humans on the entire planet that get high for for pleasure. Yeah, elephants. Elephants get high for pleasure too. Well, they eat those fermented berries or whatever, and they get drunk. That's close enough. Dolphins will seek out puffer fish to take <laughs> one little nibble off the puffer fish, which causes them to have a psychedelic trip because it's <laughs> it's not enough poison to kill the dolphin, but it's enough right. poison to make the dolphin literally high. So a dolphin will seek out a puffer fish, bite the puffer fish, and then just lay there like high. And make them noises and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like. like I, I had a friend who had a dog. I guess at one point in its life, it licked one of them toads that had the secretion on its skin. Yeah, yeah. And he said that dang dog looked for toads after that. We have a dog that licks <laughs> tree frogs. We have tree frogs. He, and he we have picked the toad up, put it in its mouth, and like. You know, toss its head around a little bit and then spit it out. We have a dog that does it. Susie? Susie dog? 
Yeah. She'll she'll find tree frogs, pick them up, put them in her mouth, and then spit them out because the poison is messing with her. Um, and the, the <laughs> we we told the vet that she'll do that, and then she'll like run around like licking her face and stuff and just acting weird. And the vet was saying that it's because she's getting high off of the <laughs> off of the frogs, and we need to keep an eye on her because if she does it too much, she could actually die from it. She could over. She could, <laughs> way to go, right? she could overdose. <laughs> That's funny. And we're like, "Come here, little Elvis. Stop doing that." Oh man! <laughs> don't die on the toilet. Yeah, don't Elvis. die on the toilet. Well, and that's what they're doing out in the backyard. They're, they're taking a dump, so she'll get high and then take a dump right. and then, you know, croak. That's funny. So that was the science denier of the week. I like that one. Did you? That one was fun. Well, this next one you're going to really like. This mm-hmm. this next one is called Conjecture or Fact. Yeah. Conjecture like or it. Fact. And this one is Giants. giants. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Giants today. And uh, uh, I'm going to I'm going to go through the different things. I'm going to I'm going to read um 10 instances of giant discoveries and then you can weigh in on each of these what you know about them about these different instances and then at mm-hmm. the end you can you can uh you know give me some other mentions that you know of okay all right okay giant bones found at lake delavan wisconsin in 1912 mm-hmm. according to a report that ran in the new york times may 4th 1912 18 gigantic skeletons buried in a, in charcoal and baked clay were found at Lake Delavan in Wisconsin. The discovery was made by the Phillips brothers while excavating a burial mound. They were presumed to be the remains of an unknown race of people who once called the area home. Although they appeared appeared to be very much human, there were some noticeable differences aside from their much larger size. The bone above the eye socket sloped straight back, and the nose appeared to be much higher uh, than the cheekbones, as opposed to it being more or less within, you know, the same line. The jawbones themselves were described as uh, bearing a minute resemblance to the head of a monkey. These giants apparently were the only ones found in Wisconsin. But in 1891, the New York Times also reported that scientists from the Smithsonian Institute had had discovered giant remains while investigating burial mounds. Um, let's see. In the ancient city of Aztlan, Aslan, near Madison, Wisconsin, six years later in 1897, the Times published another report uh, about the discovery of a 2.7 meter, nine foot tall skeleton in nearby mm-hmm. Maple Creek. So while mm-hmm. reports started stated that the findings would be uh, further studied and investigated, uh, there appeared to be no reports and no conclusions about it. Nobody concluded that it was fake. Nobody concluded that it was real. There were there was nothing else about it. That's a real good conjecture or fact because there is no discernible answer. Yeah, well, and that's that's only on that. That's only number ten. That was yeah, number I was ten. Say just on that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number nine, the giants of the valley. 
the giants of the valley uh no giants of death valley found in okay. 1947 mm-hmm. okay so in 1931 f bruce russell a former physician from cincinnati announced that he had discovered a series of tunnels and caves under california's mm-hmm. death valley in the mojave desert with his colleague daniel s bovine not bovine the two men explored the caves exclusively they were the only two people exploring it according to the story russell told howard e hill they found several human skeletons each nine feet tall he told the story at a meeting of the los angeles transportation club uh and the apparent find was reported in the san diego union newspaper on august 4th 1947 the skeletal remains were apparently mummified and Bobby stated that he felt their age to be around 80,000 years old because he was totally an expert on it within the, within the network of tunnels and caves or tunnels and caverns. The pair found what they proposed was an ancient peoples, um, an ancient ancient peoples ritual hall, not ancient peoples, but a ritual hall where they found markings that appeared to be very similar to those used in Masonic societies. <laughs> Hieroglyphs were also said to be found that closely resembled those that had been linked with the lost civilization of Atlantis. Come on, man. You gotta be, you gotta add Masons to everything. There wasn't a ritual hall. It was a Mason lodge. Idiots. <laughs> That's funny. You stumbled across a log. A brother, you ain't a brother. You're not supposed to be on the lodge unless you're a brother. Hey. Dummy. All right, and you said that stuff was petrified? Um, no, it was, um, what do you say? Mummified. Mummified, all right. Mummified, petrified. Yeah. So, what'd you think of that one? That's an interesting one. I, I, I forgot to mention on the last one, too, you know, the, the presence of charcoal and burnt clay or whatever simply meant that it was a, probably a, a structured or controlled fire, especially if you got 18 bodies, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 And I don't know how much it was spread out. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but if you, if that's what you're looking at, I'm surprised I didn't mention that because it gave some indications of what happened around the bodies. Well, another thing is if they were mummified, uh, if they had any clothing on them and they were, if the charcoal had anything to do with the bodies, if they had cloth on them, that cloth would turn into char cloth. It would, yeah. I guess so. Like a yeah, like carbon, yeah. Because because I make char cloth, you know, for like camping and stuff. Right, and that's what I was thinking. You know, when you make charcoal, you use fire and wood. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a deliberate thing. You've got to you got to manage how much oxygen they get. Yeah. But then again, if it's in a cavern, you would you would expect that once there's a fire going, it'd be hard to get enough oxygen in there, you know, and, and that kind of a situation, charcoal or char would be more prevalent in the cavern or a cave. Right. There you go. Because without fresh oxygen in there, that, that would happen. Okay. Giant Yay. remains found in Varna, Bulgaria in 2015. So Varna in modern day Bulgaria was once an ancient Greek city of the ancient Greek city of Odessos. 
Hmm. Uh, an important trading post that dates back around 7,000 years. Adesos' mythology was particularly rife with giants. So when what appeared to be a giant human skeleton was discovered there in January 2015, it raised quite a few eyebrows for those who have an interest in such things. The discovery was made by ancient, uh, by, by accident, not ancient. The discovery was made by accident. Excavators, excavators, were digging in the area after they found a jar that appeared to date back to the 5th century. They discovered an unknown fortress wall, and as they continued to dig in order to get to the foundations of the wall, they stumbled upon the amazing find of these giant skeletons. Uh, so the skeleton was found with its hands placed on it. It says the skeleton was found with its hands placed on his hands placed on his waist and his head facing to the east. How do they know what it identified as? <laughs> <laughs> They're assuming it's pronoun, damn it. Anyway, uh, excavators had investi uh, ex excavators and investigators believe that he was placed in that position on purpose, indicating that he was most likely of some importance at the time of his death and burial, although no actual height was released to the media at the time of the find, one of the excavators referred to the skeleton as very tall and very impressive. So huh. that was number that was number eight. Ready for number seven? Yeah. Yeah, we can get to number seven. Here we go. Enormous <laughs> remains found in Ecuador in 1964. In uh, 1964, huh. uh, Father Carlos Vaca was a priest in Ecuador, who had worked in hospitals, he was called upon by the locals to look at some strange bones that he'd been that had been discovered. What was particularly strange about the bones was their amazing size. Father Vaca took some of the bones from the mountain where they had been found, and they remained in his house until he died. Australian artifact researcher Klaus Donna was given permission to take the bones back with him to Austria. Oh, Austrian, not Australian. Austrian. Mm -hmm. Back to, with him to Austria to examine and to uh, feature them in an exhibit called Unsolved Mysteries. Klaus claimed mm -hmm. that several experts had examined the bones and that they, that they do appear to be human uh, from the size of the bones they have have including complete skin no complete shin bones klaus estimates that the person who they belong to would have stood about 25 feet tall wow this is the first one would have been 25 feet tall in an interview with project camelot donna claimed that he had uh, subjected the bones to dna test courtesy of an Austri austrian archaeological dna specialist and had no strand wait and that no strands of DNA could be obtained. This led Donna to conclude that the bones had to be over 10,000 years old, at the very least, because you can't get DNA from old stuff, apparently. He claimed that in the same interview, uh, that the area where they were, uh, were first discovered translated as Cemetery of the Giants from the local Aymara language. Aymara? Aymara language? Okay, what do you, have you heard of that one before? No. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I am so tired of these ads playing, man. 
I hope those don't go over the radio thing because I can't, I don't have the other headphones on. So, okay, number six. Ready for number six? I am ready. Giant mummies found in the tunnels near the Colorado River in 1909. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, according to a report in the Arizona Gazette, which is nowhere near Colorado. Wait a minute. The Colorado River goes through Arizona. Okay. According to the report in the Arizona Gazette in April 1909, while rafting on the Colorado River, explorer G.E. Kincaid made several remarkable discoveries. He claimed he had noticed a tunnel that took him almost 1.6 kilometers or one mile under the ground. He encountered a fortified secured area at the end of the tunnel in which he found copper weapons and tools, a large statue, which Kincaid claimed looked very similar to Buddha, ancient tablets that were carved with strange hieroglyphs, and perhaps most fascinatingly, several nine-foot-tall mummies, all wrapped in dark shrouds. Hmm. But if his claims weren't controversial enough, if they weren't controversial enough, (laughs) Kincaid added uh, a little conspiracy fuel. Why is my thing playing? Stop. Okay. Uh, Conspiracy fuel to the flyer when he stated that government had purposely sealed and closed off the area so the public would be would not be aware of its existence the arizona gazette headline also stated that the finds were an indication that an ancient tall people had migrated to the united states thousands of years ago from asia but the government <laughs> covered it up <laughs> yeah, that's what they do best damn them covering it up Boy, uh, hey they they do want what's best for us when it comes to COVID. Right. So I want to make sure you understand that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like with other stuff like ancient knowledge and, you know, diet and health and, uh, you know, basics on life. You know, what's true. You know none of, of that's important, but. You know, it trips me out, though. Um, I, I contacted my. OK, so Melissa contacted our doctor because. She has like um, burning in her stomach like an ulcer. So I contacted the doctor and said, I have a burning feeling like an ulcer. But instead of them saying, hey, what are you eating? Stop eating that. They told us both to take Prilosec. Right. Why don't you just tell us to stop eating whatever it is that's acidic or stop taking whatever pills it is that's that's causing this? You know what well, I mean? Well, I told you, just take a... a... Half a teaspoon of bentonite clay, mix it up in eight ounces of water, and drink that three times a day for five days, and you'll get rid of your ulcer. Well, you know, switching from soda pop, which I'm drinking a soda pop right now, I switched yeah. from soda pop to tea, and I switched from coffee to tea. Because yes. coffee has a lot of acid in it. It's very acidic. So, yeah, everybody gave me crap for drinking tea all these years, but... Man, he's laughing now. You know, I was thinking <laughs> of starting a new segment called, um, um, like tea time. Yeah. Where, where I just talk about a different tea every week. Yeah, that's cool. Like a different flavor or a different different kind of tea, from different yeah. companies and different different stuff, and where where they right. you know where that one derived from and whatever. Okay. Yeah. Number five, the mystery of Lovelock Cave, nineteen eleven through nineteen twenty nine. Whoa. Okay, so about 
20 miles south of Lovelock, Nevada, you'll find Lovelock Cave, sometimes referred to as Sunset Guano Cave, <laughs> Horseshoe Cave, or Indian Cave. The cave is said to be older than known human settlements on the continent, stretching right back to antiquity. In 1911, mm -hmm. two miners, David Hart and James Pugh, Pugh uh, who knew about the cave, took an interest in the guano that was there, and they wanted to extract it because it was very valuable and a key, key ingredient in gunpowder. They needed it for mascara. So they quickly set up a company, receiving, uh, a company and received permission to begin digging. Um, they immediately began to, to dig this guano, they had no intention for searching for anything, artifacts or anything at the time, but they found, um, okay, so they, they, they found some artifacts. So they contacted this dude, Alfred Kruber, from uh, the Univers University of California's Anthropology Department. And then um, the cave the following year was um, dug up by archaeologists. So archaeologists went in there to dig. So they did archaeological digs in 1924 and 1929. And then over the course of the uh, the the excavations they found um artifacts. They found 60 human mummies that were average height, like normal normal height people, right? Mm -hmm. With a bunch of weapons and bones and stuff like that. But they also found um sandals that were 15 inches long and a giant size handprint they appeared to have been embedded in the cave wall. And then more mummies that were there. And those mummies were between eight feet and 10 feet tall. Weird. Weird. Uh, what is interesting, if these finds were indeed um, true, it's that uh, Puentes, a Native American tribe that inhabited the area for thousands of years, spoke of a race of red-haired, white-skinned giants Mm -hmm. who they referred to as C-Techa. C-Techa. Their home was the the, the recently ex excavated cave. So they believed that these red-haired, white-skinned giants lived in that cave. Mm -hmm. The C-Techa. And they found a bunch of bones, so there was a bunch of tall giants living in them caves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number four. Seems like it's just a myth. Yeah, it's just a Carry on. Number four, giant human finger found in Egypt in 2012. March, giant what? Human finger. Giant human yeah. finger. Was it the middle finger? Uh, I don't know. It looks All like right. a finger, though. In March 2012, photographs of what appeared to be a mummified human finger was claimed to have been discovered in Egypt, and it appeared in various on various websites, online media outlets, um, the digit, the finger, clocked in at 15 inches long. Wow. Um, if it's proven to be authentic, then it would belong to a giant, a giant person. Um, despite the alleged photographic evidence, the finger's authenticity has never been verified. As people who took the, the photograph, um, they, they said that the, the, photo the photograph doesn't have uh, wait, the person who took the photograph don't they don't have the finger, so they don't know what to do with it. So according to the original story, 
Um, photo, the photos were taken in 1988. And then this guy paid $300 to an unknown man who claimed to, be, uh, claimed to belong to a grave robbery dynasty. <laughs> and he said, you can take these pictures for 300 bucks. So hmm. the unknown man also presented um, them with x-rays and a certificate to prove that it was a human finger something he'd obtained in the 60s. So there's a grave robbing society that um, shows off their stuff periodically. So, well, you know, you know, there is a grave robbing society because uh, they took Geronimo's bone. Oh, wait, <laughs> never mind. Sorry. So um, this guy went back to Egypt and he couldn't find any information or the whereabouts of the finger or its origins or where it came from. Um, uh, but, um, but there are, um, stories about, um, giants living in Egypt and Rome. Flavius Josephus, um, he wrote about, um, giants in the history of the Jewish war. And he said there were giants much larger and shaped differently than normal people. And they, and, and they were terrible to behold. Pretty crazy. Hmm. Okay, number three. Okay. Aleutian Island Discovery, 1940. Ivan T. Sanderson was a popular res- respected zoologist who regularly appeared on TV to disperse his wisdom. One of his strangest tales, however, concerned a letter that he'd received from an engineer working in Shamia on the Aleutian Islands in 1940 during World War II. The Aleutian uh, the Aleutians Island, the Aleutian Islands sit between Alaska and the easternmost part of Russia and divide the North Pacific and the Bering Sea. So um, the, the United States, they were using that area as a base. So they could spot, uh, spot potential um, ships and airships that might attack. So they were bulldozing a hill to flatten the ground to make an airstrip. And uh, they came across a graveyard of human skulls and leg bones. Uh, But all of the bones and leg bones were three times larger than a standard adult. So interesting. So that's weird because that's another graveyard, too, where you're finding a bunch of the bones. Yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah. Makes you wonder how they got there, too, right? Yeah. And the, the legs, like one of the legs measured um 24 inches from top to bottom as opposed to a regular eight inches for a leg Um, bone so a leg um, bone normally is eight inches but this one was 24 inches for that specific bone so craziness whatever um then he um he received a letter from some people they claimed to be from the uh smithsonian smithsonian institute and they wanted to collect the remains all the remains were taken by this person claiming to be with the Smithsonian Institute, and they were mm. never seen after that. Hmm. So, and then interesting. After, okay, and, so Smithsonian's involved in all that too, huh? Well, this is the second time the Smithsonian was like, "Yeah, we're going to go ahead and investigate this," and nothing came of it. <laughs> the giants of uh, number two, the giants of Caucasus Mountains. Uh, in Georgia. Ha! I told you about this one. In 2014. 
there's a TV show called Unexplained Files, and in 2014 uh-huh. they they did this this episode about an ancient giant civilizations um, in the Caucasus Mountains. In 2008, local herdsmen had stumbled upon a supposed grave of giants. A group of Georgian researchers soon followed up on the account, speaking to the man who made the discovery as part of their investigation. He informed them that he had came across a stone-built crypt, like it was a stone crypt. And after gaining entrance to it, he discovered two huge skeletons sitting at a large table. The researchers Hmm. ventured into the isolated mountains and densely forested location to see for themselves. They reached the crypt the man had spoken of, but it had since collapsed. However, under the dirt and rubble, a pile of bones was found. They did indeed appear to be human, aside from the fact that they were much larger than a human bone or human bones. Um, Samples of the fine were investigated by Professor Vecua, very respected scientist, um, who who declared if they were indeed proven to be human bones, that the person they belonged to would have been eight to ten feet tall. So yeah, wow. So he passed. He passed the bones. Uh, wait, he passed away, and the bones went to a museum, and they were held by the museum. And then they disappeared. <laughs> well, and all these museums making bones disappear. Is it because the, the it doesn't fit their narrative? Crazy. Well, I mean, there's a lot of that weirdness going on. But remember, I told you about the the Caucasus giants. Yeah, yeah. That's where Caucasian comes from. Yeah. All it's right. Kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah. One last one. Ready? All right. The giant footprints found worldwide. This is a worldwide Goliath footprints. There were in several alleged, alleged fossil fossilized giant footprints found around the world. Perhaps the, the most well-known of these is the Goliath footprint in uh, Polzia, South Africa, a town chose oh wait, a town close to Swaziland. The impression is four feet long. It's a four foot long foot and appears wow. to be a perfect match to a human foot. Although there, although there's a debate debate on exactly how old the Goliath footprint is, they estimate it to be anywhere between 200 million years old and 3 billion years old. <laughs> Shut the hell up. I know. Because they, they know. I guess I know. Uh, other fossilized prints of similar size have also been reported in 1926, the Oakland Tribune, uh, they had an Oakland Tribune. They ran a story about a five-foot-long footprint on the top of a cliff in San Jose, California. The year before, in 1925, an eight-foot-long footprint was discovered in San Jose at the John Buton Ranch. John Bunton Ranch? A set of standard-sized footprints are perhaps more fascinating in relation to the other larger ones. In 1976, anthropologist Mary Leakey reported the discovery of normal-sized fossilized footprints in Tanzania. They looked perfectly human, but their ages were estimated to be about 3.6 million years old. This predates, uh, by millions of years, the time frame that mainstream science says that modern humans were on the Earth. 
So, all right. So that's that's the conjecture of fact was uh, science disproving itself once again. Giant, giant. So yeah. So we got a lot of giant going on there. So what do you think about them giants? Well, I like it, and I'll say this: you know, you can go back through each one of those, but maybe whittle them down and uh maybe this isn't you know maybe this isn't that blah 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 blah. but what people don't normally do when we do things like this is understand it as a collective list right so like right so like with the uaps or ufos whatever you want to call them now people look at each one and they try to debunk it what they don't do is look at it as a whole and wonder why we're having these phenomena that's why I pulled up a list of the yes. giants because I was like, okay, you could you could explain away one. But how can you explain away all these other ones? And the more recent reports of um, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran, where soldiers say that they're coming against giants out in the middle of the desert, they and and they're like groups of them are are attacked by these giants and they fire upon the giants and the giant it takes them such a long time to kill them and when they finally kill the giant the giant had already killed a bunch of their dudes and then the bodies taken away taken away by the government uh or you know the the military and nobody nobody says anything about it but these guys are like no dude i was there i saw it and then and all of a sudden that person dies of a self-inflicted wound mm -hmm. Well, that's like Phil Schneider. A lot of people, if anyone who remembers Phil Schneider talking about the dumbs before anyone knew what a dumb was, that's a deep underground military base. Yep. Um, and he had talked about getting into a battle with these seven foot aliens. So you, <laughs> you put that with the other reports and. It's well, like everybody else is bigger than us, man. There's a bunch of things going on around here. Well, and also telling us nothing. Also, the mound builders of North America, the mound builders of North America built mm. mounds that were way more impressive than the pyramids and larger. And inside these mounds, they found remains of larger yeah. humans. Yeah. So, yeah. where and then some people were saying that the reason for the mounds in the first place were because they couldn't move the giants and they wanted to bury them because they were afraid their bodies would get up and come back. So they would bury them. So they would kill yeah. a giant, bury them. The native, the native Americans in the area would kill the giant, bury it under a big mound and then leave it alone and not mess with it. It's interesting. That's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Mound what do you do with one of them big sandwiches after you kill it? <laughs> yeah, and a lot of these mounds, um, after people do archaeological digs of the mounds, all of the stuff that's in the mounds is removed and the mound is put back empty in the same exact spot it was so that people can go visit it and see that there was a mound there, but there's nothing in the mound anymore. So they're basically grave robbing these mounds, taking all the evidence that's in them, you know, all across North America. So like if you if you buy land somewhere and there's a big hill 
for like a you have a, a plains like a, a a field and in the mm-hmm. middle of that field is a big hill and it looks like a, a round hill most likely that's a mound hmm. know what i'm saying know what i'm saying g that's what i'm saying i know what's up all right then man that was a that was a really good conjecture of fact man Man. Yeah, that was good. I like that one, Jeff. So, um, Joe Chandler is going to be on the show in like 15 minutes. So, uh, I'm going to let you go, and I'm going to go do my back in the day and my Alpo Survival Tip of the Week before Jimmy Joe gets on there. I say called him Jimmy Joe. <laughs> Whatever. All right. So, on the phone, James R. Freeman, and eventually, one of these days, I'll get a photograph of him to put up on the screen. So, when I'm talking <laughs> to him, you'll be able to see that I'm talking to James R. Freeman. Is, Somebody wants to picture of me. Is that the moniker you go by? What? James R. Freeman. Well, I mean, that's the name. Yeah, that's so. the name. That's, but that's, as for the moniker, it was supposed to be just Jay, but that's to my, me, the comedians were crying about that guy. Yeah, that's my name. Don't wear it out. Well, apparently, you, you can't use a dead man's name if people liked him. I don't understand that. So, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Some people say I can't even use my normal name because I'm a, right. I'm a dick. All right, Hefe. All right, Take man. it easy, man. It peace was fun out. as always. Yeah. All right, peace. Later. Whoa, that was good. That was James R. Freeman. Oh, and that was conjecture fact. Now is the Outpost Survival Tip of the Week. So um, the Outpost Survival Tip of the Week, and uh, I'm going to try to – it's too bad I can't actually show you the picture that I'm looking at because I'd really like to. Okay. I'll just go ahead and throw it up there. The Outpost Survival Tip of the Week is the Farmer's Almanac. I am tripped out about this, okay? The Farmer's Almanac, we've been we've been watching the farmer, Farmer's Almanac for an extended period of time, like reading it. Uh, we plant stuff sometimes, and we read the Farmer's Almanac, and they'll tell you when it's time to grow, um, you know, what's the best best thing to do for certain things and it's been accurate like 90 something percent accurate all the time since like 1818 this thing's been around and it's always accurate so founded in 1818 the farmer's almanac uh, it's it timeless appeal has spanned three centuries offering readers a trademark blend of long-range weather predictions which are almost always correct long-range weather weather predictions which are almost always correct. Um, humor, fun facts, and valuable advice on gardening, cooking, fishing, conservation, and much more. Uh, preserving stuff, doing like prep, you know, preserving uh, food, food, you know, uh, what do they call it? Canning and stuff. Farmer's Almanac is, has had several editors. Uh, poet, astronomer, and teacher David Young, Philem held the post for 34 years from the day he published from the day he pub uh, from from wait from the day he and publisher Jacob Mann first founded the Almanac Publishing Company in Morristown, New Jersey, following Young's death in 1952, a string of successors took the helm beginning with uh, astronomer Samuel Hart Wright in 1933, Ray Geiger took over as the 6th editor of the farmer's almanac and began uh the uh began what became the longest running and most colorful 
editorship of the Farmer's Almanac History. Um, let's see. He did that for a bunch of stuff. Uh, he was stationed in the Philippine Islands in New Guinea and Australia. And he worked all through the war. In addition to editing the Farmer's Almanac, Ray also proved to be its champion promoter. He traveled the country going from radio to TV, including several appearances on the Today Show, the Mike Douglas Show, Art Linkletter's House Party, David Letterman's show, Good Morning America, many, many more. Um, let's see. He was the most interviewed man in America. And it increased the circulation of the Farmer's Almanac from 80,000, no, 85,000 to over 6 million people that, that got it. In 1949, the rights to the Farmer's Almanac and Almanac Publishing Company were purchased by Ann and Ray Geiger, who maintained the uh, the editorial and publisher publishing responsibilities, but had the Geiger brothers, the national the nation's largest family owned and managed promotion company, distribute uh, and do the production. In 1955, the Almanac Publishing Company moved from Newark, New Jersey, to its current office in uh, Lewiston, Maine. In 1944. Upon completion of his 60th consecutive ed edition, Ray passed the editorial reins on to his son, Peter, who had been serving as associate editor for 15 years. Peter, who also serves as executive vice president of Geiger, hired Sandy Duncan to serve as managing editor with him. <clears throat> Sandy was the first woman editor in 1978. <clears throat> sorry, first woman editor in 178 years. To hold an editorial position, Peter and Sandy Duncan continued to edit the Farmer's Almanac in a manner that continues to make this publication timeless, trusted, and treasured. Today, there are three versions of the Farmer's Almanac. There's a retail version sold throughout the United States and supermarkets uh, and retail outlets and bookstores. There's a promotional version, which is sold at cost-effective marketing or sold as cost-effective marketing for businesses that has like the business logo on it. Um, and then there's a Canadian version, which contains exclusive Canadian weather predictions and articles. So we've been using the Farmer's Almanac for, man, a couple of years now. And I was amazed. I was amazed that the Farmer's Almanac has been really accurate. I mean, more accurate than... Um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you see on um you know what do you call it on uh on the news like you see the weather on the news broadcasts and they can't get their weather straight but the farmer's almanac is like really really accurate with their weather predictions like when the frost will end uh this is when you should plant this is optimum weather to to plant and then you know, you got to harvest around this time and the specific plants. If you're doing like um, wheat or corn or onions or green beans or peas, whatever, you can look on the in the farmer's almanac and they'll tell you what um, what the best time to to uh, to to plant them, to prepare the ground, to plant them and to harvest them. So farmer's almanac. Yeah, Farmer's Almanac is kick-ass cool. Yeah, kick-ass cool. So that was the Alpo Survival Tip of the Week. 
Um, this is back in the day. Back in the day, we had these things called ashtrays. Now, an ashtray uh, is is a device, and I know there's there's ashtrays now, but here here's the the trippy thing about these. Okay, so this is an ashtray um, that uh, was passed down from family member to family member. Okay, so the trippy thing about ashtrays is that there were ashtrays everywhere, everywhere. When I was a kid, we had ashtrays everywhere. We had ashtrays at the movie theater in the armrest, um, at restaurants, uh, at, you know, auto parts stores, at, um, when you went to get your car worked on in the waiting room there at the doctor's office waiting room, um, at, at, they even had cigarette machines in the doctor's office. Anyway, doctor's office, they had ashtrays in the teacher's lounge at, lounge at school, uh, at the, in the office, some of the teachers and the principals and people worked in the office smoked and they had the ashtrays there. They had ashtrays literally everywhere, church, wherever, wherever anybody would smoke, they had ashtrays and they were restaurants. Restaurants had ashtrays all over the place. It, like almost every restaurant I knew of had an ashtray. Uh, they had ashtrays in the armrest, like on the door and on the console of the armrest of vehicles. So you could buy a car and not only did they have an ashtray in the front where the person was driving, they would have ashtrays in the doors, in the front and the back. And they would have sometimes ashtrays like on the back of the seat. The ashtray would fold down and you would have an ashtray there. They had ashtrays at movie theaters. You'd be at a movie theater. In the movie, you could smoke while watching a movie. And they had ashtrays right there. Right there with this, the thing. Now... Nowadays, uh, the only time I see an ashtray is like outside of a hospital or outside of a grocery store or, a, you know, a, a shopping center or something that will be outside. They wouldn't be inside. And every once in a while, I see them in a bar. There'll be like an ashtray in a bar. But you don't see them in restaurants anymore. You don't see ashtrays in restaurants. You don't see ashtrays. In uh, movie theaters, doctor's offices, schools, you don't see them there anymore. So that's why that's the back in the day. Uh, and if you wanted to do in the clickety-clackety-tickety-tack and leave a comment about it, um, where do you remember seeing ashtrays that you don't see them now? You don't see ashtrays there anymore. Is there a place that you would see an ashtray that you don't see ashtrays there anymore? And even if it's one that I've already mentioned, you can you could. Let us know where you normally saw ashtrays the most when you were when you were younger or back in the day. Um, uh, like I like I said, uh, in the seventies and eighties, ashtrays everywhere. Somewhere in the nineties, they started removing them from places, and then in the in the two thousands, you rarely saw ashtrays anywhere, and a lot of restaurants took out their smoking section, so there was no there was a smoking section and non smoking section, so. Back in the back in the day, in like the seventies and eighties, uh, even before then, everywhere in the restaurant was a smoking area. Every table was a smoking table. And then people were like, mm, "I don't want to be around smoking." So um, then they made a non-smoking section. It was a special section for non-smokers. Well, then people kept complaining that the smoking people got better seating than the non-smoking people, and more people 
or non-smokers than smokers. So the that switched. The smoking area became a different, separate, smaller area. Then the non-smoking area became the rest of the restaurant. So then, uh, then after they had the smoking section, then people said, well, then you can do smoking on the patio outside. And they removed smoking sections from restaurants, um, you know, at all. Like, like you could go to Denny's and there'd be a smoking section in Denny's. Now you go to Denny's, there is no smoking section. There's no smoking at all in Denny's. So, you know, but they used to have a smoking section in Denny's. I remember when there was smoking in the entire restaurant. You can go anywhere in the restaurant and smoke. Then they made a non-smoking area, which was smaller. Then it switched to be in a small smoking area and a large non-smoking area. And now it's all non-smoking. Craziness craziness so back in the day yeah yeah mrs onyx is saying the the restaurants had smoking section yeah restaurants did have a smoking section so that's where the back in the day comes from you know what i think i'm gonna do i have one minute i'm gonna call i'm gonna call jojo a minute early i'm gonna call joji joji a minute early joe jojo joe 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 wabowski Joe, Joe Chandler. What's up, Joe? What's up? What's up? Hey, we just did a, a segment back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day was ashtrays. Remember, yeah. remember ashtrays were everywhere back in the day? Like, <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Doctor's office. Waiting rooms at different restaurants. and uh, Restaurants had, had uh, ashtrays. Everywhere had ashtrays. Do you remember a place that had ashtrays? That no longer have ashtrays, Joe. Wait, do I know a place that had ashtrays and no longer have ashtrays? Yeah. Do you know of a of a of a place or a uh, an area somewhere that had ashtrays before but no longer have ashtrays? Well, yeah, like like restaurants and yeah, restaurants are the biggest one. But yeah, parks even. Parks, yeah, that's one I didn't do. Parks, but I remember um, I was saying we we saw ashtrays everywhere, literally doctors' offices, movie theaters, in, yeah. in the vehicles had them in the doors and in the backs of the seats and everywhere in the car. Like there were like five ashtrays in the car, or more, in some cars. Right, right. And you've worked in the restaurant industry, and do you do you remember when they had? The whole restaurant was all smoking. Do you remember do you remember those times? The whole restaurant? The entire restaurant when I was a kid, there was no non-smoking area. Everywhere was smoking. Every yeah. table had an ashtray on it. I do not I do not remember that. And then and then yes. they segued from that to having a small non-smoking section for non-smokers. Yeah. And then the non-smoking section switched and became the smoking section was smaller and the non-smoking section was larger. And then it became the whole restaurant, all the restaurants were non-smoking. So, do you do you remember a time when the the non-smoking section was smaller? No. So so you're to... you're that old, you're that young. 
Yeah. Now I I do remember being in a smoking section like all the time because my dad smoked. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't recall if it was bigger or smaller. Yeah. Well, that's his, what she said. Yeah. And then uh, and it's, you worked in the industry. Do you remember ever having a clean um ashtrays? Yeah. Um, you had to dump the ashes out, and then you had to like put them in hot water and soap and clean them. And then they still smelled like smoke, so you had to like do it again, right? Oh yeah, we we would have cleaned them like that. <laughs> <laughs> you would just dump them and put them back on the table. Yeah, exactly. Put them through the put them through the the machine that washes the glasses. Yeah. You remember that machine? You probably they still have those. Yeah, they do. You close you close the thing that just and it, and then you open it up and they're all clean. Yeah, yeah. it's like this sanitizer though like it just steams everything it steams it it doesn't actually wash it yeah well you know another reason you wash it first you know another reason they do the steam thing like that why because it, it dries faster when it's hot it dries faster when what when it's hot like when you oh. when you do dishes if you rinse your rinse off your stuff with really hot water yeah and then put it in the drainer it dries faster Huh. That's why they do I the steam. Yeah, so it can dry faster. All right. So Joe's on the phone. All yeah. right. So we are going to be doing um we're gonna do in some three segments with you, yes? Yeah. So uh what's the word on the street, Joe? You hear any gossip going on? What's the word on the street? Um uh, gossip time with Joe. The um are we talking about mask singer? I don't know. You you're the one that put it on the thing. Okay, I put two things on the thing. Okay. Well, gossip um, gossip time. You said something about Ukraine. And oh, the Ukraine, other one's yes. the other one's pontificate. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well, what do you think about Ukraine? Real like. I think quickly. it's none of our business, and I actually know people who are like, why is why are people messing with uh, Russia? Russia's doing the right thing. They just don't want to be part of NATO. And Ukraine wants to be part of NATO. So, like, take Ukraine back and not be part of NATO. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then other people are like, well, Ukraine is its own country. You should leave them alone. I actually watch a YouTuber who's giving um, live updates from Ukraine. Yeah. Like, he, he, he would normally sit there and play the bass or something and talk or whatever. And now he's like... Right. Now he's like talking about how he sent his his kids to Poland. His wife and kids had to go to Poland, and men aren't allowed to go. So he's given updates yeah. about different things, like they fled Kiev. That was the where they lived, Kiev. And when the tanks started rolling in, they're like looking down there, going, "Oh man, we better get out of here." So they took off, and they get they got out. Mm. Trippy, huh? Yeah. So people are actually there, yeah, doing stuff. Do you hear about the old people? No. What, oh, old what about old people? Okay, so there's old people running around with their little camera or their phones, right? Their smartphones. Yeah. Like senior citizen old, men and women. And okay. the soldiers are going through, and they're like, why are you on my property? Why are you on my property? <laughs> Get off my property. Why are you here? 
Get out. You don't you don't belong here. And then they like attack the soldiers. Why are you here? Get off my land. And they'll attack them with like brooms and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had um Romanians, Romanian gypsies. Yeah. Romanian gypsies came to Ukraine. And they're running around with farmers stealing parts of the tanks and and disabling the tanks and stealing tanks. So they'll run up and they'll disable the tank and steal shit off the tank. And sometimes they'll disable the tank. Like farmers and gypsies. Isn't that a trip? Yeah. So why aren't they watching why aren't they watching this why aren't they watching these damn tanks? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That'd be like a a cop car rolling into like Chicago and they don't notice that somebody's stealing the light off the top of the car. Wow. Wait, that happens. I guess they do notice, but in Ukraine they don't notice. The the yeah. Russians don't notice that that things are going down. So Gyp- gypsies are are tricky. No, but did you hear they're like um not selling vodka? Yeah, but yeah, they're not selling vodka, but um just. Russian vodka. Yeah, they're they're taking the Russian vodka out, and I, yeah, I, I didn't know this was a thing, but I ex- Melissa explained it to me, and I was like, "What the hell?" Did you know some well, some states it's illegal to buy alcohol unless you buy alcohol from a state-run uh, uh, liquor store? Like the liquor stores yeah. are owned by the government. Yeah, that's Pennsylvania. Well, they also do it in Utah, apparently. Yeah, that's like amazing to me. You're telling me the government. Government tells you you can't sell alcohol, but they're going to sell alcohol. That's just amazing to me. You don't think that's amazing? <laughs> what alcohol Dude, they, is it highly the government addictive. like made an amendment to make all alcohol illegal? I mean, does not surprise me that they try to control alcohol. That that would be like uh, the government saying. You know, we realize that porn is highly addictive, so we're just going to go ahead and make it so porn is illegal unless you get it from our websites. Well, yeah. you know they're watching it anyways. Well, they're probably so. making it too, you know. So, so. so. You, you know, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a new joke. I told you, remember the the bank in my area? Yes, yes. <laughs> so the bank in my area got bought out by a a company that produces porn. And now on their website, the link to the ATMs means something completely different. <laughs> That's a good joke, man. I, I like yeah. that. I wrote that. I wrote that one. That was, <laughs> that was me. But a lot of a lot of places, I can't even tell that joke because it's not considered a clean joke. Anyway, so right. you're talking even about it's not cussing. What What was your thoughts on the Ukraine thing? Um. I kind of feel the same way, like, you know, that we as an America should mind our own business. Now, Europe, on the other hand, you know, that's different because Ukraine does want to, you know, is trying to be part of the EU and yada, yada. Um, I think that if if NATO... And the UN and the European Union and all that stuff, if they were actually yeah. doing something for the people that join them, 
they would all be like rallying around Ukraine. You know what I'm saying? Right, and they they kind of are. Isn't that what Trump said? Trump said, "Why why is the United States going and being like the world police? We shouldn't be doing this, and we shouldn't be paying the most money out of everybody. Everybody here is supposed to be paying something because you're all part of this thing. You're not even paying what you pledged that you would pay to pay your fair share." Because remember, people say pay your fair share. And he's like, pay your yeah. fair share, damn it. So they should be out there, you know, giving them, giving them tools and weapons and stuff like that. I'm telling you, man. Well, the UN, you know, is it for war, though? So they wouldn't supply weapons. But the UN sends in um, peacekeepers. Yeah. So if the United Nations sends in peacekeepers... They sent peacekeepers into war zones all over the world. Right. So the UN should be sending in peacekeepers to keep the peace to protect the, the Ukrainians. Shouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, me too. Especially if they're trying to, you know, be part of the be part of the UN. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Whatever. You said something about Yakov? Oh yeah, Yakov's been enough. You, you know, he's actually from Ukraine. So he's from Ukraine. They should just send him back to Ukraine. Yeah, I think I think um, Russia is mad that you know he left because he's like one of the funniest people in the world, and I actually said that with a straight face. And I think Russia wants him back, so we should just send him as a peace treaty, or it's just a good excuse to get him out of. Branson, but I, I don't know if this is true, but I heard about it uh, earlier today. There's another yeah. comedian oh. that had shows that were being booked during this war. They were selling tickets for a show to go see a comedian. Yeah. Guess, guess the name of the comedian. Is he an American? He's an American. He's an American that got canceled in America. Oh, um, well, I was going to say Louis C.K. was the first thing. To it is. Up. Really? Apparently, okay. they were selling Louis C.K. tickets on this venue's website in, in Ukraine. Uh, you know, and, you know, people were pissed off that they were still selling uh, things. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Onyx says, never go ATM. Okay. <laughs> never go ATM. So I don't know if this is true about the Louis C.K. thing, but whatever. Oh, Maybe yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not a joke. Guess guess who's fighting on the front line for the Russians? Oh, he's fighting for Russia? No, he's fighting for Russia right now. Fighting for Russia. Who's on the front lines fighting for Russia on the ground right now? Dolph Lundgren? No. Who who was an American actor who moved to Russia and became a Russian citizen? I have not heard anything about that. Who? Steven Seagal. Are you really? Really, not a joke. They have they have pictures. He and video became on. a Russian. Yeah, he 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 became a Russian a while ago. So he's oh a Russian God. citizen, and he's on the front lines. So is he actually fighting or is he using stunt doubles like he does in his movies? <laughs> he he's he's actually fighting but with weapons and stuff. 
So he doesn't do his fake karate. That would be cooler. <laughs> he runs over there to the Ukrainian. He's like, oh, 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 and the person <laughs> just falls down because uh, he's moving his hands and hitting him, yeah. hitting, hitting himself. <laughs> That's what makes those sounds when he's fighting is him hitting himself. Yeah, yeah, it's like a wrestler when when a wrestler super kicks somebody, he actually slaps his leg. I mean, super he kick. gets us fighting from wrestling. Super kick, super kick. All right, then we're gonna we're gonna switch gears to. Well, well no, um, one more thing though, like okay. because he mentioned he mentioned Steven Seagal, Rom- Romanians, Romanians, yes, Romanians, whatever, but yeah. gy- gypsies. Yeah, lettuce um, people. So did he hear like about Jimmy Carr recently? No, what Jimmy Carr do? So he's kind of getting canceled, but over in Europe. So I don't know how big of a deal it is, but he um he said a joke. Um, that so I'm I'm gonna have to paraphrase it, but like, um, the Holocaust was a really really bad thing, you know, killed. Um, like a bunch of innocent people. But one of the good things is they also killed gypsies. <laughs> so, so he said that and he got canceled. Uh, sort of. I don't think they really cancel people for jokes over in Europe. They don't give a damn. Nobody cares. No. Nobody I mean, cares. they they care about no, child molestation. In Canada, but yeah, in Canada that would be a uh, a uh, yeah, crime, and he would go to jail for that. Yeah. So okay, but, so oh, what? but not okay. So not only is he trying to get canceled, or people are trying to cancel him, but people are wanting to like um get Netflix in trouble because Netflix is the one that aired it. Netflix but, doesn't yeah. care. Netflix doesn't care. Just like the whole Netflix right. and um and um, what's his name, D- Dave Chappelle. Yeah. They just signed a ten ten deal a ten ten special deal with him. Yeah. They signed well, another they, contract with him. Because <laughs> most people know that it's not really hateful. They're not hateful <laughs> so jokes. So these people tried so... to cancel him, and it made it better because people wanted to go see what he was saying. Yeah. And we're watching exactly. it going. What what is he saying that's offensive? I don't I don't hear anything he said that was offensive, not one thing. But the thing is, it doesn't even offend every trans. You know, it's like twenty five percent of them are upset. Like <laughs> everybody else finds it funny. You know. Yeah. yeah. If you can't laugh at yourself. Whatever. You exactly. Know? Exactly. All right. So okay. So we're so move on to the mask singer. Yeah, Joseph. Where Joe pontificates, so Joe yes. is going to pontificate here about something. What? What? What's up, Joe? What okay, you... I know you. I know you're a fan of the Masked Singer. I, I've right? watched it many times. Yes. So I actually read a spoiler alert for the new season that's coming in like a week, okay. I think. Okay. So they've already aired um, like the first half of the season or whatever. Um, and they, so they've already announced um, who the first celebrity was who got eliminated. Oh, yeah. Um, because when he 
and masked um, the two male judges, Robin and Dr. Ken, um, both left the stage in protest because they were upset on who was there, the celebrity. They so, got voted out. Well, they were upset that he was there because in the first he place. was on a show because they don't like him. Okay. Was it Trump? No, oh, but close. That would have been badass. Re really close. <laughs> so take another guess. Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Okay. Bill O'Reilly. Rudy. Huh? Rudy Giuliani. Oh. Yes. You know, I heard about that, um, but I didn't. I didn't think it was real. I didn't at first either, but it's yeah because I I saw it on multiple sources. Wow, Rudy Giuliani and they and they protested that Rudy was there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, whatever. Um, you know what I think? Ken was upset because of the way um, the Trump Trump's cabinet handled COVID. You know, you know what's funny is all these uh, these uh, celebrities that, that get too political. Yeah, and and they're the same celebrities that are like, um, they made their career off of just being ridiculous. In other ways, you know, like like they they would be canceled. There, they would have been canceled today if they did today what they did when they started their career. Well. Um, you know who the first person I thought of when he said that was like somebody who got canceled back in the day, huh. who is now like pretty liberal, uh, but he he had a huge comeback. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, yeah. You you remember him getting canceled before yeah. cancel? Yeah. Culture was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, but I'm. A I was in Christian radio and right. I, I, we, we, we saw cancel culture way before y'all were doing it. Well, you know what I mean? You, Cause, cause you guys are, you guys try doing cancel culture. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Cancel culture was like, um, uh, Amy Grant, Amy Grant divorced her husband to marry some dude, some, yeah. some famous guy because she got divorced. A lot of radio stations, Christian radio stations, wouldn't play her stuff anymore. And then when yeah. she married a guy who divorced his wife to marry her, then they 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 like rejected everything that they were doing. It, it's just it's just hilarious because ninety nine percent of the time when when they're doing that cancel culture stuff, it's not actual church people doing it. By the way, you know that right? Right. It's just angry, stupid people who aren't actually church people. Are you talking about now or back then? Back then. It was not even church okay. people. They were just people who were dicks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that there was a um I I don't remember who what his name was, but a Christian rapper who recently got um canceled from his um his label because he got caught having sex outside of marriage. But that's that's so. So I don't, I don't is think it that's that kind of canceling? Not really, because uh, it's it's part of the whole um, the agreement that you make when you when you start working at a place 
that has a specific, you know, thing going on. You know what I mean? Okay, so it's okay for like if I um, if I went to work if I went to work at uh, Planned Parenthood, yeah. And while I was at Planned Parenthood, I started telling people that adoption is the right way to go, and you shouldn't abort your kid. They would kick me out of Planned Parenthood. And they would wonder why you want a job at Planned Parenthood. But, but the point is that there are people like that all over the place. That people go somewhere and they have opposing views or their views change and they're asked right. to leave the organization or the whatever um, because their contract is dependent upon them having a specific viewpoint. Okay. And are, are you okay with that? Actually, I am because, uh, for example – if you're uh, a United States Olympic athlete working for the United States Olympics or right. that you're, you're part of the Olympic team and you protest the American flag at the Olympics, yeah. you should never be in the Olympics ever again. You should never be in the Olympics for the United States ever again because you're there on behalf of that team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're, on that. you're disrespecting the team you're on. So if you're there representing that team, then you shouldn't be there at all. So it's similar yeah. to that. That's not you're canceling that person. It's that person not living up to their obligation to to, you know, to promote the organization or the or the um, the thing that's going on. You know what I'm saying? OK. Yeah. If, if that makes any sense. Well, it it does now. So yeah. I'll ask you this. Are, are you okay with um, one example? And there's been many, but um, Disney firing um, the girl from the Mandalorian because of her her tweets. But how, how do you feel about that? Um, if she has been hired by Disney yeah. to present a specific viewpoint, or to to um to well she's representing the she's representing Disney. That's what I'm know? saying. She represents Disney. So while she's yeah. representing Disney, she needs to, you know, follow along with whatever guidelines or whatever whatever that the company says. And if the company doesn't like what she's saying, they can get rid of her and she can go to work somewhere else. Yeah. So so you're okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's no big deal. Yeah. Well, I, I just know a lot of, you know, a lot of right ring people don't like that. You know, they don't like cancel culture. Yeah. But the, then again, if it's the other way around also, like if you went to work for me and I was yeah. running a Christian organization and right. you started working there and then started acting in a way that wasn't it didn't fit our, you know, our uh, our organization standards and to fire you, then you shouldn't be able to sue me. Right, and I don't, I don't see. Well, I mean, they can sue you, but Wrongful I don't see a judge saying that's okay. What to I fire to fire somebody or to or or to no to um force somebody to you you wouldn't win your lawsuit is what I'm trying to say. If you if you sue a company for firing you over religious issues, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, That's allowed. Or, or whatever. See, what what the problem I have with um, cancel culture is, let's say a person tweeted something 20, when Twitter began, 
10 oh, yeah, years I, ago, 15 I years ago. I don't agree with that. And yeah, somebody no. pulls up old stuff that they did and holds it up to today's standards, just like on Facebook. Did you know on Facebook, they're going back to as far as they can in your account and finding stuff to ban you? They're going back to years and years ago, and you said something before they had the policy and applying the policy to what you said before. Yeah. That's wrong. It is. They, yeah. uh, applying anything that somebody said or did in the past to today's standards is wrong. 100% wrong. Taking down statues, renaming renaming cities, taking, you know, taking historical figures out of school because, you know, whatever. And, and the biggest one that I, I that I that I'm irritated the most about is Robert E. Lee. It irritates the hell out of me because it's he because he wasn't he wasn't a slave owner. He wasn't a racist. He was a general for the United States who got but, sent, who well, and he was a general for the United States who got sent to Texas yes. to be a general for Texas. When Texas was brought into the Civil War, he was a general for the Confederacy under the Texas flag. Right. Then, right. So then after the war, his job. Well, then after the war, well, I'm saying after the war, he was a general for the United States again. Yeah, but how far after? What do you mean? Because they they were talking about getting him, getting him, and a bunch of other other generals um, for treason, but then Johnson saved them. But like most of the statues, the Confederate statues, are of people who who. Um, they acted on treason. It was treason. Meaning, so are they removing the they statues did. because of treason, or are they removing the statues because these people were evil racists? Well, people they're... people are removing the statues because every one of these people they're saying is an evil racist. When when in That's... reality they weren't an evil racist because at the time that it was going on, in the okay, culture but... that they lived in, I think that it was not... I think the statues should be taken down for. The simple fact that they were traitors of the United States and they should not be celebrated in the United States. Yeah, but that's what and, I'm saying. You're 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 saying that they were traitors of the United States and they shouldn't be celebrated. Um, but but what I'm saying is that that's not why they're taking the statues down. Now I could understand if no. they were. I could understand if they were going to say, "Well, these people were traitors, so we should just treat them as as war criminals and traitors." Because they were traitors of the United States. So we should take their statues down because of that. But that's not why they're taking their statues down. They're taking their statues no, down and, because they're saying that they were racist. It's not necessarily because of them being racist. It's a fact that it represents racism. And let, let me finish with with this because... <laughs> you know I'm going to interrupt you. I, I, can, I can see you eye-rolling. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, but I can see you in my head eye rolling. So, anyways, um, so the statues, what, when do you, when do you think the statues were made? Were, were, yeah, were put up. When do I think they were put up? Yeah, do you know when they were put up? I don't know, and some of them were put up a long time ago, and some of them were put up recently. No, mo most of them, the like the Confederate. Generals and stuff down in the south, those statues were put up in 
between like the 1910s and 1920s. Okay. So way after they were alive, you, you mean know, after they've already died. Yes, after the war, way after the war. It's not so they weren't put up um to represent the war or you know to pay pay um like honor to them after they died in a war. It was that it was when the KKK started getting big um in the south and basically you know controlling the government and then getting like Jim Crow laws and and was making it you know even worse for black people um that's when they started celebrating the confederate generals so, so, so when democrats were voting this in so it was basically representing racism so so that's your that's your what you're saying is it was representing racism because at the time you think that's why they were doing it that is why they did it okay do, do you know there that, are documents saying that that's why they did it do you know who just David, like mount rushmore is documented on being built by kkk for racism mount, mount rushmore was also said to have been created by the masons uh, it was yeah but that do you, do you know who Davy Crockett is? It was is? built by one person. That's a fact. Oh, yeah, not know. built by one person, but, you know, like the idea was right, brought right. upon do by you, one person, not a organization like the Masons. Do you know who Davy Crockett is? Yeah. Do you know who uh, uh, Jim Bowie? He was a traitor. Jim Bowie was? He was a, yeah, he was a traitor, too. <laughs> Both of them were traitors? Yeah, what they left them... the United States because they didn't like the United States, so they left. No, they didn't. Texas, which was not the United States. No, then. they didn't. They w they went to Texas because they wanted to to uh, be like Davy Crockett wanted to be uh, a politician in the United States. Was a Senate or Congress? I think it was a Senate. He wanted to be a he wanted to be a senator, and he, he eventually he was, a, he was a senator, in and Tennessee. He, he eventually wanted to become president. So he went to Texas because um, they they. They were offered land down there, but they they actually went to the Alamo because um, at the time they were told that they were going to be given a specific amount of land in the in in Texas if Texas decided to become its own country rather than remain in a state. You know what I mean? Right. It wasn't a state though. Right, but I'm saying remain in a territory, a territory. Remain in a territory within, but they, but they were promised um, positions of like president, vice president, stuff like that. Right, in, in the a state different of Texas. country. But David Bowie and uh, not David Bowie, Jim Bowie, <laughs> Jim Bowie and Davy Crockett, both of them, they they said that um, if if it failed, which they they expected it to fail, that Texas would not become its own country, and even if it did it would still become eventually again, part of the United States and they would become higher up in the government in the United States. So they weren't, they weren't traitors to the United States. They actually, they were, they were both very patriotic. Anyway, the point so, being when they, when they set up their statues down there, did you know they're trying to tear down the statues because they're racists because they hate Mexicans? 
Which statues? There's a statue of Davy Crockett, and there's a statue of of Jim Jim Bowie, Jim Bowie. Okay. Down there. Oh, you're saying that people are Today, tearing down the statues, saying that people David, nowadays are trying to tear down the statues because they're saying they were racists and that they hate Mexicans. Mexicans, right? Well, I mean, they just helped steal Mexico's land, but but that they didn't actually steal Mexico's land. Texas was part of Mexico. Yeah, but they weren't down there stealing Mexico's land. They were down there in no, Alamo. No, they were trying, they were trying at, to make it its own country. They were they were in, in the Alamo, which was in an area that was already part of its own territory. It wasn't part of Mexico's territory. It was its own territory that Mexico right. had already given to Texians. So Texians could have their own territory, but it wasn't a it wasn't a country yet. They were ratifying yeah. the country. Um, so that territory was already Texian country and Mexico invaded an area that they had already made an agreement. This is your, this is your land that you can make into a country. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, and then Mexico, um, re reneged on the agreement and Santa Ana went up there to take back the land. Yeah. And that's where the Alamo came in. And then after that, Sam Houston, um, when when uh Santa Ana went after you know when more land or whatever, um, finally the Texans uh, led by Sam Houston found Santa Ana and uh, took him in custody, and then he signed over the rights to the entire territory again to the Texans, but a larger territory this time. He traded his life for the area. Because right. he said, you're going to kill me. And they're like, well, no, you're, you're, we're not going to kill you. This is, our, this is our land, and we're going to send you back to Mexico defeated as a defeated general. And he was like, well, we, you know, we got to trade something. So they traded Texas. So Texas wasn't stolen from Mexicans. the Mexicans. The Mexican government gave Texas to the Texians. You know what I'm saying, G? By the way, the, yeah. the only reason I know all this is because I grew up in Texas. And and yeah, I know that. And I went to Robert E. Lee High School. That's why I know a lot about Robert E. Lee. Oh. Or sorry, Robert E. Lee Freshman High School, and then Robert E. Lee High School. And then I went from then I went to California, and they put me back in freshman grade because they they did it by age in California, but they did it by intelligence in Texas. Isn't that crazy? Oh. You pass a test. They put you in the grade that you're that you tested at in Texas. Yeah. At the time. In California they, can still they were like do that, but in, they don't do it. Yeah. In California they were like, Oh, you're this age? This is what grade you're in. But I have transcripts yeah. from Texas that shows that I was in the higher grade. Nope. You're back over here. I was like, Whatever, man. Yeah. Homeboy. So all right. So that was a good one. Joe pontificated. Yeah. 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 Um, you want to do the breakdown now? Yes. Breakdown. So we are breaking down um, this movie called Mute. So for people who don't know anything about the movie, I'm going to give the, the plot summary of the movie Mute. Okay? Okay. So Berlin, 40 years from now, is a rolling city of immigrants where East crashes against West in a sci sci-fi um, Casablanca type movie. Um, 
So there's a, a dude who's a mute bartender, and he has one reason and only one reason to live, and it's a waitress that works at the bar where he works, and he's like in, madly in love with her. And by the way, um, the bartender is an Amish mute living in Berlin in the future. So he already has Amish tendencies, yeah? And they have a yeah. huge Amish community there, apparently, in this movie. Um, and in a in an accident, swimming accident, uh, he got his throat cut, I think, by a motorboat, something like that. Anyway, so he got yeah. his throat cut, and he, so he can't talk. And it's so oh. far... It, what? Well, you didn't mention that um, there were doctors who were going to... Well, I'm not there yet. ...do surgery on him. Well, yeah, I'm not there yet, though. Oh, okay. My bad. Because he's Amish, doctors wanted to do surgery on him, but but yeah, he didn't yeah. want the technology, and they had the technology to be able to repair it because at the time they had enough technology where they can give you a new leg, a new arm, uh, vocal cords, new eyeballs, whatever, and they could they could make it function as if it were a fully functioning item, whatever. Um, so, uh. He, uh, the guy, the guy's name is Leo in the, in the thing. So Leo's search takes him deeper into the studio's underbelly looking for this chick, right? And an yeah. odd pair of American surgeons. So there are American surgeons that do these weird surgeries on people, um, there, but it's like the black market version of those surgeries. One of the doctors is like a black market surgeon and the other one is an actual doctor working in an actual clinic, but they both work together also in the black market. Um, and they're both ex-soldiers who used to work together in the military. And uh, one is played by Paul Rudd, and his character is stuck there because he doesn't have any papers to get out of the city. You have to have, you have, to have a passport to get out of the city, and because he's a criminal... He he doesn't have papers to get out of the city. He needed fake papers. So, um, um, let's see. There's a reoccur reoccurring clues um, that, um, let's see. Leo keeps getting clues from somebody on the phone, basically indicating that the surgeon somehow can help him find this chick. So. Right? I missed that. You didn't know what? that? So he there was getting were... messages on his phone telling me or telling him where to find Cactus. Cactus is Paul Rudd's character. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know where to find the cactus? Here's where you find the cactus. And he, and he was getting those clues throughout the movie. Um, but do you, I'm going to spoiler alert. Did you watch the whole movie? Yes, I did. So the, so the the pedophile guy, um, yeah, he was sending messages to Leo using the the girl's phone, giving him clues as to where um, Paul Rudd was. See, I didn't catch that. That was, I don't know. It so was every, a really confusing movie. Well, every so. yeah, it was. Every time the dude would get a text message on this on this old, you know, old phone. It looked yeah. like he he would get a message. Those messages he thought were coming from the girl. Right. 
but they weren't coming from the girl. They were coming from that, that other guy with the glasses. So everywhere and he went, it was, it was him being sent there by the guy with the glasses. Okay. So the guy with the glasses, the child molester yeah. was trying to get that guy to kill his friend. Well, sort of, um, he, he at one point in time said to Paul Rudd, I've been sending the mute messages using her phone just to fuck with him. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. and Paul Rudd was like, why are, why are you doing that? You're, you're, you're fucking up my shit. And then punched him a bunch of times and kept telling right. him, don't fuck up my shit. So, you know, then all that, all that stuff went down. So, so spoiler, yeah. spoiler alert, the chick that he's trying to find was dead. Paul Rudd was her ex-husband and she had taken Paul Rudd's daughter and was going to leave with her. And Paul Rudd didn't want her to take the daughter and he killed her to, to so that he could have the daughter. Yeah. And, um, the pedophile guy was, um, eventually wanting to get to the little girl. And at the end, it seemed like he was going to have her because Paul Rudd died. And this guy went and took the little girl and to be his own, his own daughter. And then Leo surprised everybody by, um, killing the the pedophile by drowning him. Which was, that was a pretty cool, it was pretty cool. And they like kind of foreshadowed that, you know, throughout the whole movie where like he was swimming and when he his takes breath. a yeah, and he, when he takes a drink, he has to like hold his breath and so he's a you know, he can hold his breath really well. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was cool. See, I, w- 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 I thought he was gonna steal that little girl's pencil and kill the guy with the pencil. I thought that's where he, that was going. Yeah. He was still kind of like out of it though at that time. Yeah, yeah. Cause cause the uh, pedophile guy who is a doctor, um, you know, after after Paul Rudd dies, takes the little girl and takes Leo and forces surgery on him to give him a new voice box. Yeah. And then after it after it heals and stuff, later on he actually gains the ability to speak. But what's odd is he doesn't speak very much at the end of there. You know what I mean? He's still silent in that last scene with the little girl. Remember? Yeah, but I mean. Uh, that's that's realistic because um you know you go through like 90 percent of your life without speaking you're used to not speaking just because you can't speak doesn't mean you will yeah damn gina you know? we went long today i thought it was gonna do like a quick show today and i didn't even wait i just jumped into all my stuff and i still have two segments left so oh. So I'm kicking you off the phone so I can hurry up and do my two segments. I gotcha. Okay. All right. Okay. Good talk. Was it Bye. great? Today's show was good, huh? Yeah. All right. All right. All later, right. man. Bye-bye. Boom. So that was Joe. All right. So that was the breakdown. Oh, no. Oh, no. Boom. That was the breakdown. All right. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do the pathetic pet of the week. So we're going to go in here and do the pathetic pet of the week. Um, the pathetic pet of the week is Piccolo. This is Piccolo. 
Piccolo. So Piccolo, and then that's Piccolo, and that's Piccolo, that's Piccolo. Piccolo is a Chihuahua mix in Kansas City, Missouri. He's a male puppy, very small, with white, cream, yellow, tan, blonde. He's a fawn. He's up to date on all his stuff. He's at uh, Critter House KC. And there's no story behind him. thought there was going to be a story. Nope, no story. So there you go. Piccolo. Piccolo is it. Um, Critter House KC at gmail.com if you want to go adopt this guy, Piccolo. CritterHouseKC.com. Okay, so there you go on that one. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get back to trivia. Snap, the trivia question today was um, what bulb, what bulb, which bulbs were once exchanged as a form of currency? Which bulbs were once exchanged as a form of currency? And the answer is tulips. Tulips were exchanged as a currency back in the day. So that was trivia. Trivia snap. So, yeah. Well, that was the show. So, later. I'm going to take this off for it says starting soon because we're not. Where does it say starting soon? Starting right here. Take that off there. We don't need that one on there. And boom. You've been listening to Married with Comedy with Jeff Onyx. With special guest hosts, sidekick James R. Freeman and Joe Chandler. Next week. Later. <laughs>